This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Father, I thank you that your word touches hearts and minds and lives like no one else. So, Father, we thank you this morning for your word to come forth with a, just a, a, a hope, Lord, and peace and joy and an overwhelming sense of who you are, your heart for humanity. Father, we give you praise this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I don't know if, if you guys would know any of these statistics or these facts, but there was a study that came out about three years ago uh, from a uh, sleep clinic, a researching sleep clinic, and it talked about the, the concepts of dreams and how they, uh, actually how they work, and, and uh, they actually nailed down some basic statistics that I'm going to share with you this morning, um, just as a setup for what we're going to talk about. Um, maybe you knew this, maybe you didn't know this, but every single person on the face of the planet averages between four and six dreams a night. Did you know that? Um, each dream lasts approximately 5 to 20 minutes, and if you add all of that time up, it actually averages out to be approximately six years of your life that you dream. Some of you daydream, but I'm not referring to that. Um, quite impressive, even more than that, that 95 to 99% of dreams are forgotten the moment you wake up, right? Right? I think we would all know that and understand that. But some dreams are remembered, and they are unforgettable and life-changing. How many have ever had a dream that stuck with you for years and years and years and years? Amen. Yeah, I had one, uh, it was about three years ago, and I saw myself on the back of the Stanley Cup parade coming down Young Street, <laughs> coming down Young Street, just, just touching the Stanley Cup, saying, I believe, Lord, I'm going to follow you forever because you made it happen. And then I woke up. Yes, and then everything else changed. Uh, Dr. Jim Dennison, for those that don't know, he's a, a fairly famous uh, uh, person who's written about uh, a lot of connection points between Christianity and the Muslim faith. Uh, he's been heavily involved in the Middle East for a number of years, and uh, he actually has been uh, writing books and, and journaling and literally blogging about some of the phenomenons that have been happening in the Muslim communities in the Middle East. One of the things that he keeps referencing is this concept that in the last 15 years, more Muslims have come to Christ than the last 15 centuries combined. And what's interesting about it is he keeps nailing it down to one basic thing. All of these Muslims, not all, but most of these Muslims are having dreams of Jesus coming to them. And they're knocking on the door of their heart saying, I'm the one that you keep ignoring. I'm the one that you keep turning away from. And, and I honestly believe that... that this is an incredible phenomenon that's been happening. You can read several books. There's several books, even at Christian bookstores. Even on, uh, they've actually had, even in the last couple of years, interviews on CNN where Muslims are talking about their faith. And one person in particular about two years ago on, 
uh, Anderson Cooper literally shared about a dream that they had of Jesus Christ coming to them. Muslims are coming to faith. Denison, in one of his books, he says this. It says, God speaks to us in whatever language and ways that we can understand. He became one of us that we might become one of him. Muslim miraculous stories are especially persuasive because they share, those who share with them have so little to gain and so much to lose. Many Muslim converts are exiled from their families and homes. Many are tortured and many are killed. Their courageous faith is a testimony to the hope found only in Jesus and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Dr. Jim Dennison has a compatriot. His name is Mr. Tom Doyle, and he was a longtime missionary in the Middle East. And he has witnessed firsthand this same account that many, many people have come to Christ because of a dream that they've had of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, he actually he talks about the accounts of these stories and these testimonies in his book called Dreams and Visions, Is Jesus Awakening the Muslim World? Great book. Pick it up. It actually tells stories of what God is doing in the Muslim community in the Middle East. The question I'd always have is, why does God use specific things or speak to people in a specific way. Um, how many know that, I mean, if we're all being honest this morning, how many have ever heard of someone's testimony about a really, really cool way that God spoke to them or confirmed something in their heart? And the very first thought in your mind, of course, you're never going to verbalize it because that would be wrong. But in your mind, you're sitting there going, why can't he do something like that with me? Maybe they're his favorite. How many have ever had that thought? Don't put up your hand. Okay, <laughs> all right. All right, Lord Jesus, pray for us all. But the moment comes that you have to understand the culture and the community and the way that God speaks. You have to understand who he's speaking to and why he's speaking to them. I don't know if you knew this, but 60 to 80 percent, as of 2011, Muslims in the known world are illiterate. So how could they read about Jesus if they can't read? So what Jesus does is he says, okay, I'm going to show up in a way that they're going to understand. Well, how did they understand visions and dreams? Why? Because that's how the prophet Muhammad was given to them. The prophet Muhammad was revealed according to the Muslim faith in visions and dreams. So he's actually going to speak to them in a way that they understand. I think that's a good kind of rallying cry for us as believers that as we connect with people that don't know Christ, we can't use Christianese and speak in our language. We've got to relate to them in a way that they're going to understand. Right? Jesus talked to fishermen about... Fish. He talked to people that were out gardening in the back 40 about seed. Why? Because he wanted them to understand something and relate it in a story and in a package that they would get. How many have ever been around someone that speaks um, Christianese in such a way that you get to the end of the conversation and you walk away going, I have no idea what they just said. Well, the Lord is speaking to me in the clouds and he's calling me forth as an angel to speak on. It's like and you get to the end of it and you're like. What in the world just took place? I know that they verbalized something. I heard their voice. It was putting words together into sentences. But that's about all I can recognize. God speaks to Muslims in a way that they can understand. God speaks to us in a way that we can understand. Denison goes on to write, he says, The God who spoke to patriarchs, prophets, and apostles through visions is now speaking to Muslims 
In the same way, long ago, the Lord did what he continues to do today. I love what the prophet Isaiah says. And in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 1, it says, I revealed myself to those who did not ask me, for I was found by those who did not seek me. How many have a testimony in this place where you weren't necessarily looking for God, but God found you? (laughs) You want to know my testimony? I have a great, you know, just wonderful, uplifting testimony. People come to me and say, so share me your testimony. Yeah, I grew up in church. Wow, that's awesome. I said, oh, no, it gets better. He went, what? Really, what happened? I ran away from God. The problem is, is he always had the GPS on where I was. God comes and he calls me. He says, I want you to pastor. And I went, get behind me, Satan. And I ran in the opposite direction. And I ran away from God. And I hid in a cave for three years. That cave was called depression. But I hid. How many know sometimes it's the craziest thing that we've convinced ourselves that if we just maybe put up these mirages around our lives that somehow God won't find us? God loves you. God's going to find you. God's in pursuit of you. He's pursuing the Muslim community right now. I'm excited about that. I love that. I revealed myself to those who did not ask me. And I was found by those who did not seek me. That verse perfectly summarizes the call of Christmas for each and every one of us. Two weeks ago, we talked about Zechariah, and we talked about the call to prepare Prepare our hearts. Prepare the way for God. Last week, Sandra talked about Mary and the call to provide. Sometimes we get caught up trying to figure out, God, how do I do what you're calling me to do? And he just simply says, just give me you, and I can use you. Just give me your heart. Just give me your will. Just give me everything. Well, today we're going to talk about Joseph, and his call was uniquely different. It was a call to protect. God was calling him to protect Mary. God was also calling him to protect the Christ child. Even though he didn't understand everything, He understood the call to protect. Interestingly enough, Joseph's call was uniquely different than Zachariah and Mary's. Zachariah and Mary were both awake and had an angelic visitation. Joseph had to go to sleep and have a dream of an angelic visitation. Some people say, why is that? Some people would argue because he wasn't listening to his wife. So... (laughs) So the only way God could get through to him was in his dreams. You know what I'm saying? All the women should not say amen at this time. Don't look at your husbands. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. (laughs) Yeah. But the reality is, is God had to speak to him in a dream. Matthew 1, this is the story we're going to read today. Matthew 1, verses 18 and 19. We're going to go down to verse 26, but I'm going to start at verse 18. It says this, this is how the birth of Jesus The Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. I just, I want to just paint the picture here for a second. Because sometimes we read these Bible stories, these verses, and we get, you know, they're really cool, they're exciting, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, sometimes we don't put ourselves actually in the picture of what's happening. We actually don't put ourselves in the story. Um, Some of us may not know this, but remember Noah and the ark? Animals came in two by two. Up to that point in in history, rain had never fallen from from the sky. The Bible says that water came up from the earth 
and literally came like a dew, like a mist on the earth, and literally watered those things that were on the ground. So they had never seen rain before. So think about this in Noah's context. Noah's building a very large boat. And the guys come up to him, hey, Noah, what are you doing? It's like, man, I'm building the first ever Titanic that didn't sink. We've got steel-plated doors. We've got, you know, all these things. And he's saying, you know why? Because the water is going to come from the sky, and it's going to keep coming so that the whole earth is filled with water. And they're looking at him saying, um, just so you know, I don't think an ocean liner is going to fit on the Sea of Galilee. Um, you know, you, want, you won't be able to go very far. It's definitely not going to make it down the Jordan River because it gets too narrow. I don't know if you guys knew this. The Jordan River actually gets about three feet wide at one point. Three feet wide. I don't think it's going to fit. They didn't understand. So put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Put yourself in Mary's shoes. You're pregnant, but you've never been with somebody. First time this has ever happened. Pregnant by God. How do you explain that one? How do you explain that to someone that knows you, loves you, but has no context of where that's coming from? Put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a second. Betrothal, again, Sandra shared this last week, but I just want to reiterate it. Betrothal literally meant marriage in the eyes of the law, except without consummating that marriage. But between betrothal and that marriage ceremony was a waiting period. It was a testing period to see what Joseph would do to provide and to protect that future relationship. Interestingly enough, when that dream came, or when that that dream came to Mary, and God literally speaks to her, and then she becomes pregnant by the Holy Spirit, Um, How many know in that moment, if I'm Joseph, I'm thinking of protecting things, but I'm also thinking of protecting myself. Can I say this this morning, that prior to an angelic visitation or a God visitation or a God moment or a God speaking to you moment, before that happens, there's always a lot of us connected to what we're trying to figure out. Well, yes, I know I'm supposed to protect Mary. I'm supposed to protect the Christ child. I understand that, but I'm going to protect myself too. So I'm going to get a divorce. Because look at, this is, look at how this is going to look on me. Think about the reputation on the Facebook postings at the front of the gate in Jerusalem. And it's going to look bad. Like, what in the world is Joseph doing? I thought he had a reputable company, right? I thought he was someone we could trust. But what has he done? So prior to this angel of visitation, I want you to see this. Prior to it, he was about protecting Mary to a degree. But he was mostly concerned about protecting himself. That's why it says that he had a mind to divorce her quietly. That was the part that was looking out for her. I still want to divorce. I don't have anything to do with this because I want to protect myself. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll divorce quietly. There was two different divorce uh, options in the Bible. One was a very public divorce that was very typical. Everyone knew about it. Can you imagine back in those days where everyone's, your news became everyone's news because it was common news? And everyone started talking about it. But Numbers chapter 5, it actually references a, a, what is called a quiet divorce between two witnesses. And that's what he wanted to do. So he wanted to protect the situation. He wanted to protect her reputation. But at the same time, he wanted to protect his own reputation. He wanted to protect himself. Verse 20, it says this, But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. 
because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save uh, his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I've often wondered, you know, why God spoke to him in a dream. I joked earlier about maybe because his wife didn't get through to him at all, but I've often thought about this. And I thought to myself, maybe it was because he had to understand the significance of the responsibility of what God was calling him to protect. It had to be supernatural. It had to be significant. It had to be something that absolutely wrestled Joseph's heart. Interestingly enough, Jesus in Hebrew, or that word Yeshua, literally means he saves, God saves. It's the same root meaning that we get the word Joshua from. So Joshua and Jesus, in a lot of ways, have the same meaning. Joshua was the one who led the nation of Israel into the promised land. Joshua completed the ministry of Moses. But get this, Jesus was the one who would lead the nation of Israel into God's promises. He completed the law of Moses. He did away with it. He fulfilled it. He completed it. Jesus would rescue his people, not from the slavery of Egypt, but from the slavery of sin. How many are thankful this morning that God saved you from the slavery of sin? Amen? How many are thankful this morning that you don't have to live in the same patterns and the same issues and the same struggles year after year after year after year, but you can actually trust God that He can touch your heart, He can transform your life, and bring freedom in every area of your life. Question for you this morning, what are you believing God for? What are you believing Him for this Christmas? What do you want freedom from? What do you want a blessing in? What do you need God desperately in so that he comes and transforms a situation? Think about this for a second. Let's just say we're living in that time and, you know, you have this encounter with an angel. Not only did he have an encounter with an angel, which was mind-blowing, but God tells him to name the son that is in your wife, even though you haven't been with her, his belly. Call him Emmanuel. That would be like naming your son Messiah and seeing what the reaction is. You know what I'm saying? Can you imagine if you're pregnant that day, you had a son, and you named him Messiah? What do you think people would think of you? Well, that's cocky. That's arrogant. Like, come on. But he was literally saying, name him Emmanuel. Many of you may not have known this, but Jesus, actually the name of Jesus was a very common name back then. Many people had the name Jesus. So it wasn't necessarily unique, and it literally meant God saves. And for those that lived in a Jewish background, understood the significance of names. They understood that. But God comes to him in a dream, and he says, I want you to name him Emmanuel. Right away, he understood what it meant. It understood Isaiah chapter 9. It understood that it was a fulfillment of the, of the call of the line of, the king, of da- king David. He understood that that's where the messianic lie came from. He understood that the moment that he had to call him Emmanuel and referred to him as Emmanuel, the, that, that moment changed because now people would look at him different. Either one of two things are going to happen. Either they're going to be completely turned off by that and run in the opposite direction because they think you're crazy. Or it's true. One of the two. Interestingly enough, the book of Matthew in chapter 1 here that we're reading, it starts with Emmanuel, God with us. But it ends the same way. Chapter 28. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
Who was the book of Matthew written to? The Jew. Why did they understand this? Because they understand two concepts that were so key in Jewish culture. They understood it beyond anything else. Number one, they understood that Yeshua means God saves. And they understood, number two, Emmanuel meant God with us. And when you see the pattern of the Old Testament, two things were the heartbeat and the heart cry of every uh, Jewish person in the Old Testament throughout the entire uh, centuries that went on in the Old Testament. Number one, God save us. Number two, God be with us. So who does he tell Joseph to name him? Okay, it's going to be Jesus, but you're going to call him Emmanuel. Bing, bong. Got both of them right away. Jesus, God saves. Emmanuel, God with us. He's confirming the very heart cry of every Jewish family on the planet in the names that were to be given to him. God is always active in working in your behalf, but most importantly, he's active in revealing himself as the one who saves and who's the one who is with you. I think there's, if we can be honest this morning, people all across this room right now, that one of your hearts cries, God, save me from fill in the blank. The other heart cries, God, I need you. Be with us. We need to feel you here. We're going through a tough time. Lord, be with us. How many could relate to that? Amen? Amen. Perhaps this morning you need a desperate need for healing. Maybe you need to have a need for financial breakthrough. Maybe you have a need for relational uh, um, connection. Maybe you have a need for forgiveness. Maybe you have a need for a whole pile of things. It doesn't matter what it is. But God wants you to know today He is active. He is working. He is speaking. He is touching. He is, he is transforming. And He wants to remind you today without having to give you an angelic dream. Simply this, that God loves you, that he saves you, that he's for you, and that he wants to be with you. Everything else is secondary. I love the heart of God. God takes the initiative. We simply respond. God takes the initiative. We simply respond. I want you to catch what Joseph did here, okay? Matthew chapter 1, verse 24 and 25, it says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. I'm going to read this again because I want you to catch this. When Joseph woke up, he took about seven days to pray about it, um, read about 59 books on how to obey the voice of the Lord, um, then consulted with 58 friends of his on Facebook in order to find out whether this was the will of God or not, and then took Mary to be his wife. No, absolutely not. It says, and Joseph woke up. He didn't put breath assure in right away just to be on the safe side. He didn't go brush his teeth. He didn't go have a shower. He didn't go to Denny's. He didn't go to Tim Hortons for his morning coffee and tea and whatever else he's going to have. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. The word of the Lord comes, instant obedience. The word of the Lord comes, instant obedience. I'm going to be really bold this morning, and you can feel free to throw things at me, but I'm going to say it anyway. 99.9% obedience is still disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. God wants our heart right away. People have often come to me and say, how, how do you get that? I said, you know what? You know what it is? 
there's not there's certain things that I struggle with, to be honest with you. Ask Sandra and she can tell you. There's certain things that I struggle with. But if there's one thing I do not struggle with, it's this concept. And people come to me and say, how, how do you get that? I'm like, I'm like a child. I'm literally like a big five-year-old kid that's just been told, if you do this, God's going to give you the whole cookie jar. I'm like, bring it on, Lord, I can do that. Woo! And I've gone and done it already. Why? Because I know that when God speaks, He doesn't have to convince me. He doesn't have to convince me. He just has to tell me, and I'm good. How do we develop that? Well, I have news for you today. At one point in my life, I was not good at that. (laughs) And sometimes what God has to do is bring a supernatural revelation of who He is so that we respond immediately. Amen? He wants us and our whole heart to come. So instant obedience from Joseph. He ended the betrothal season right away. He gets married to her right away. And his call was to protect his wife and his newborn son. They were at that moment on his responsibility. He didn't think anything else of it. If I can say this this morning, his dream that day was unforgettable and life-changing. Just like some that we've had. We go on in Matthew chapter 2 and we see that same heart of Joseph responding to the word of the Lord the same way. Starting at verse 13 and it says, After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. The angelic voice comes and gives him a call to protect. What does he do? He immediately responds. How many have ever read some stories in the Old Testament and you, and you stumble over them? For a variety of different reasons. Some of them because you don't understand it. Some of it becomes it seems so far-fetched. Like how many have ever had fun trying to explain to your seven-year-old that actually a man went into a whale and didn't die. He just smelled really bad. And so whatever I do is I explain it using VeggieTales, right? That's the best way to explain anything in life is just use VeggieTales. So that's what I do. But how many have ever seen certain situations where you, you kind of stumble over the story because you don't understand what it's all about? I would say a perfect story that would fit that bill would be Abraham. God comes to Abraham and says, I want you to... Uh, you're a, you know, I'm going to just declare over you right now, you're the father of many nations, and you're going to literally have bazillions of people that will come from you. And he's looking at himself going, I don't have any children, and I'm really old, and my wife doesn't have any children, and she's really old. How in the world are we going to make that happen? So long story short, you know, visitation, they have Isaac, meant, which literally means joy, the joy of their father. Isaac comes, he's growing up, he's still a young boy, he's growing up, and then God comes to him and says, I want you to sacrifice your son. How many have ever struggled with that one? Come on, let's be honest. How many have ever read that and went, I don't want to serve Jesus no more? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? We reread that part, we go, what in the world is going on? Why in the world would we sacrifice the very promise that you've given us? But you know what I love about the story? It says, and early the next morning, Abraham got up, took his son, and went. He didn't sleep in. He didn't dawdle. He didn't wait about it. He didn't think about it. He didn't do anything. He just went. And what God was after was his heart. You know what God was literally saying? Abraham, if you have the courage to give up your son, 
I'm going to give up mine. And the moment that knife went up in the air, God literally yells, Don't do it! Puts it down and says, I know, I, now I know that you are for me. So my son's coming. And he's going to solve all the world's problems. And he's going to be the ultimate sacrifice so that you don't have to sacrifice these things ever again. Because my son supersedes all of it. Instant obedience. God comes to Joseph says, get out of here. Go to Egypt. Instant obedience. A couple verses later, it says, when Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. It's amazing how he repeats himself. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, uh, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, another one, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said. He will be called a Nazarene. A call to protect is always a call of instant obedience. When we are obedient to God, God gives us the ability through him to protect what he's given to our care when we're obedient. Amen? What is it that God is calling you to do this Christmas immediately? What is he calling you to work on immediately? What is he calling you to fix immediately? When we hear the call of God in our lives, do we immediately respond? If we're all being honest, some of us do, some of us don't. Some of us do with certain things. How many know that if God asks us to do something that we're comfortable with, it's very easy to respond, right? How many know when God asks us to do something that's a little uncomfortable, we have to think about it, right? You know, and so I've actually come up with a whole list of things that I've said to God over the last number of years that are brilliant excuses on waiting. So if you want to buy my book, they're available for food. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding it's not out there. But seriously, at one point in my life, I have come up with some of the most creative excuses on how not to obey God. And I realized every one of them doesn't work. Because everywhere I go, he follows. Everywhere I go, he's knocking on the door of my heart saying, I love you. Remember, Yeshua, I want to save you. Remember, Emmanuel, I want to be with you. Okay. Joseph obeyed. What was very interesting about the Bible, and some of you may have seen this, some of you may not, this could be news to you, it may not be news to you, but in the New Testament was the first time in Scripture that God was ever referred to as Father. And I've often wondered why. I thought to myself, maybe it's because Jesus learned how to appreciate and honor his earthly father in the natural, that people picked up on the fact that we need to honor Jesus' father in the spiritual the same way. He wasn't referred to father in the Old Testament. He's referred to a lot of other things. But he's referred to father, Abba, Daddy God. What an incredible challenge to all of us dads to set the tone spiritually in our homes. The way that your kids relate to you oftentimes will be the way that they relate to God. A call to protect goes beyond 
safety. It goes beyond security. It goes beyond provision. And some of us, especially as men, some of us get really, really comfortable living in that realm. We're called to protect. We're called to make sure that everything's secure and everything's provided for. But it goes to a depth that is beyond that. It goes to an accurate view of what a healthy, authentic relationship with the Father is. That's the key. Yes, Jesus was speaking to me right there. That's awesome. Yes. Yes, Lord, I heard you. I'm going to instantly obey. Right? But God's heart for us this morning is that we would take this call to protect and respond with obedience. We're going to protect the very things that God wants us to protect. What dreams, what purpose, what sense of destiny has God given you? What is God asking you to protect? What is He asking you to instantly obey this morning? Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.